In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If we go back to that other video. Thanks. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called this space sky, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These, seed these seeds will pr then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruits. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let great lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them mark off the seasons, days and years, and let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds and every of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every kind of living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, and each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish of the seas and the birds multiply the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals and livestock, small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. 
reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for food. I have given every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because that was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn in them to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament, as we commence a two-week mini-series looking at creation yesterday and today. Genesis. The title in and of itself cries out beginnings. The start the wheels that were set in motion to become all that we hear, we see, taste, smell, touch and sense. In time and in balance. In the beginning, it was pure. It was perfect. It was as it should be. With the breath, pneuma, God the Spirit, the rush of wind as it were, from the lungs of God the Father came out of his mouth in the word or God the Son that would one day become flesh. This rich poetic language sees the dance between the Father and Spirit and Son co-equally, co-creatively beginning the process of weaving together the fabric of space and time, matter and dark matter, energy and possibility, sat waiting poised for God's command. Regardless of your ilk, make no mistake, it was God who got the ball rolling. God made the plans that would not only set galaxies, but every galaxy in the universe into being. So God creates, layer upon layer, in verse 2, there was a, at first a formless, empty, dark, barren mass covering the deep waters as God, the Spirit, sweeps, broods, darts and dances over the water's surface. Energy, movement, God in action and acting on his creation, bringing life from the lifeless. The rhythm of creation had begun. God continues his creation. Before there was sun or stars in the sky, God created light. The absence of light is darkness. Darkness is not the opposite of light, but it's absence. Then God speaks again, and this next layer, space is created, separating apart the waters above from the waters below. 
the heavens and the earth and the sky springs to life, to sustain life. God then gathers the waters and provides dry ground, rich, fertile soil. There he creates plants to grow, producing seed, and the seed germinated in the soil, producing in kind and echoing the rhythms of God's creative acts again and again in the earth. It was on the fourth creative occasion that God spoke the next layer of creation into existence. The sun, planets and stars in myriads of galaxies across the universe. In the fifth layer of creation, God speaks the fish of the sea and the birds of the air into existence, each producing offspring of the same kind. Then on the sixth creative layer, God builds on all the other creative layers, speaking wild animals, large and small, those that run and those that scurry. And then God speaks with the breath of life and creates human beings. In the image of God, male and female, he creates them. And as God looks back over the creative events and the layers that have been built on to develop the others, God sees that all that he has made. In chapter 1, verse 31, we read, Then God looked over all he made, and he saw that it was very good. With delight, with passion, and in love, God looks at what he was created, and it was well pleased because it was just right. It was exactly as it should be. Now, what is one word that you don't want to hear when you have a tradesman or a craftsman or a surgeon at work? Oops. Well, that when, when God was originally creating as described in Genesis 1, there was no mistake, no liquid paper, no putty filler, no oops, ahas or do-overs. At the pinnacle of all creation are human beings. We are the only ones that were created to bear the image of God. We are the ones to whom God gives authority to reign over creation. But unfortunately, in our position in creation, that it has at times gone to our heads and that we have forgotten how much we don't know about creation or how dependent we are on God's creation. We become so puffed up. We, we suppose that our supremacy in creation and then we think that we know it all. The stories of creation in Job chapter 38 to 41 puts us in our place in creation and puts us firmly in perspective. Please turn with me to Job 38 and indulge with me a moment as I read just the first few parts of the four creation chapters as recorded in Job. If you find Psalms and if you go back one book, you'll find Job, Job 38, where we read this. In Job 38, verses 1 to 41, we read, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. 
Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb, as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread across the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It's robed in brilliant colours. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realise the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know how. Where does light come from and where does it go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created and you are so very experienced. When we look at ourselves and all that we can achieve as created beings, it says less about us and more about our amazing creator. The fact that we can, through science and technology, answer some of the questions that God asks and poses to Job. That we have people who can help the body to heal or send pilots through the air at subsonic, uh, supersonic speeds says more about how God has created us and his act of creating than how good we are. When it comes to creation, we don't know it all. The account of Job pulls the proverbial rug from underneath us and places us on our backsides from the earth from where God sourced us. The second thing that Genesis 1, the creation story, reminds us of is our dependence on creation, not creation's dependence on us. Just like the light that sits on top of a skyscraper, you pull out the foundations and we all come toppling down. So when God creates us last, it reveals our dependence on what God had already created, not the other way around. Take us, take humans, take mankind out of the equation and life will continue without missing too much of a beat. But you take out the trees, the sun, the fish out of the creation equation, then we human beings are in big trouble. So when God created and then said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 to the first humans, be fruitful and multiply, 
Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. It wasn't to exploit creation for our own benefit. Rather, just as a king would give his subjects his property and possessions to maintain for the benefit of the king, so too we are responsible for our heavenly, to our heavenly king for how we behave as stewards of what God created. It's to the church's shame that we have often been followers rather than leaders when it comes to the stewardship of God's creation. Not because we should worship creation, but rather worship the creator who holds us responsible for what he has entrusted to us. But let's continue from Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. The Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden to the east and there he placed man, the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow, all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and then the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then skipping down to verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, uh, formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to man. At last, the man exclaimed, this, is, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Harmony. Harmony between God and creation. Harmony between humans and creation, harmony 
between humans, man and woman, each other. Harmony for humans within themselves. This is the way God designed creation and the created to exist. It was perfect. And there was a beautiful interplay between God and humans. God invites humans, created in the image of the Creator, to be involved in the act of creation by creating names for each of the animals, harmony between God and creation and humans and creation. God also creates desire, a longing for in a man for relationship, just as God exists in relationship. And so there was the creation of a suitable helper, woman. And Adam was delighted. Harmony between humans. And in verse 25 now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. There was inner harmony, no guilt, no shame, no anger or disappointment, no hopelessness or helplessness, no fear or shame, just perfect harmony with Creator and creation. This relationship between God and humans was perfect. Imagine the scene of God moving by His Spirit, bringing a cool, refreshing breeze in the evening to the garden and then coming to Adam and Eve and chatting to them about their day, sharing life and love together. Nothing else to clutter or to confuse. The only voices that they knew were those of each other and that of God. But we're not quite done with creation yet. Let's continue to read from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we can, may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. 
into the setting of a perfect creation where there was harmony between God and creation, between humans and creation, between humans and each other, man and woman, between harmony between the humans and within themselves, Satan sought to undermine all that God had created. Through sowing seeds of doubt and deception, Satan whispers into the ear, Did God really say? Way back in Genesis 3, the problem began when people started listening to someone else, someone other than God, to speak into their lives. Today, Satan still speaks, sowing seeds of doubt, trying to undermine what God wants to create in and through us. Did God really say that he loves you? Are you really saved? Is God's word really worth trusting? Does God really want you to? Whatever. Today, Satan still speaks, sowing seeds of deception. You're not good enough. You can't escape your history, not a history like that. Jesus' forgiveness will never cover that. You can make it on your own. You don't need anyone else. Today, who will you listen to? Whispering in your ear, the one who destroys and brings fear, shame and death, or the one who creates and brings life. In John chapter 10, verses 7 to 10, Jesus declares, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep don't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Rather than listening to God's voice, we have allowed others to speak into our lives words that deceive and destroy, robbing us of the life that God originally created for us. Jesus has come to restore what was stolen by recognising and following his voice you'll find truth and life. If you're tired of listening to the voice of those who steal life, then choose today to listen to the voice of Jesus, to recognise that you have been lovingly created by the master craftsman, that Jesus came to pay the debt, to redeem you for his own, to restore that which was sold or stolen for a lie. Please allow me a moment to lead you in a prayer, inviting Jesus to be the voice that you choose to follow. I invite you to quietly pray this prayer with me now. Jesus, I'm coming to realise that life as I know it is not all that you meant for me. 
I'm sorry for listening to the voice of Satan, for, for listening to the voices that want to steal and destroy your plans from me. I ask that you would come into my life to speak the truth to me. Help me to recognize your voice and to follow your voice over all the other voices. You created me with a purpose and a plan to live in harmony with you and with others. Help me to live a life that shows you to be my creator and my Lord. Amen. So how might we respond today to the things that have been said, to the things that you've seen? A couple of questions for you. Do I approach the creation story with arrogance or humility? Do I approach the creation story with arrogance or humility? Do I accept responsibility, my responsibility, in caring for God's creation? Do I work towards harmony with God and creation? And then lastly, whose voice do I listen to? I invite you to take some time to respond to the things that God might be saying to you, either through the message today, through communion, or through another aspect, whatever God's saying to you. Take some time to respond to him now as the music's played. Thanks, Stephen. Mm-hmm.